through the hourglass. Today is the longest day of my life. Welcome back to The Longest Days of Our Lives, a 24 fan cast. I am one of your hosts, Jack Bauer, super fan, Mike Cushing. And I'm another one of your hosts, 24 newbie, Curtis Perry. And I am still trying to figure out how to kill fucking Terry, Michael Howard. Wow. You want her dead that bad, huh? You know, I just, this asshole can't figure it out. He's just, I, I need a plan. And then his plan is Leroy Jenkins? Yeah, there's a plan that y- Jovan... He has a couple moments here where he could just go ahead and do the dang thing, and he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't do it. He literally picked the worst time to do it. it, it not just because of what happened, but we'll, 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 we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. I believe. Hey, here's an here. Hey, Yovan, here's a lesson: don't do anything in the last two minutes of an episode, idiot. Seriously. It's not going to go well for you. If it is anything, fifty-eight, bro, it's too late. Yeah, mm-hmm. just wait. You missed your window. Wait till the beginning of the next episode. Um, speaking of episodes, um, guys, I'm looking at my notes here, and it begins with the word recap and a colon, and then an empty space where I forgot to write a recap mm. of what happened last week. Should I try? Mm-hmm. Should I try? Yeah, I think I remember it, but go for it. Um, Terry doesn't remember things. Mm-hmm. Kim. Mm-hmm, that seems right. Kim's horny for a, a silly boy. Uh-huh. Uh huh. There's there's no there's no to money, but for, for but the, they, no to, but they got the, silly, the drugs. The silly boy knows a man who needs money but has none. Exactly for mm-hmm. for drug. Um, uh, there is an extremely blue ball doctor. Uh-huh. Uh huh. With a briefcase full of dildos. With a briefcase full of dildos. And um, so David thinks that he's um, Matlock. Uh huh. <laughs> You know, spread surprises on people. Uh, and um, we realize that Kim has uh, a, a nega Kim, an anti-Kim, as it were, uh, who is who is also talking to Rick. And, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, oh, and oh, oh, with Terrace. Oh, Terrace oh, is supposed oh, wait to a shut minute, down 26 G. Also, also, CTU is horrible at sting operations. Mm. Yep, okay, so just to do a real quick... <laughs> recap, recap. Uh, so Teddy Halen, our sniper boy ha- who has beef with Jack, shot the only lead in the terrorist case. He died. Uh, but we did learn about a power grid thing. Uh, and the most important thing was at the end of this oh, ep- episode, Terry is approaching the Bauer household with Dr. Phil Parslow, I think his name is, we find out later. Um, sure. And Jovan, the assassin, is waiting behind a tree having killed CTU agent Williams. Um, and so, yeah, Jovan's kind of doing like a, um, he's doing like a, like a sneak mission right now where just, the guards just walk past him and he strangles them and then pulls them into a tree and no one knows. Yeah. yeah. So we get a couple things here. So we open up with, uh, Terry and Dr. Parslow walking towards the house. Jovan is there. Um, and F- Parslow is talking about, uh, how he first came to Terry's house. And he's like, the first time you invited me back here, you left your keys in my car, which seems like a weird thing to do <laughs> to go to your house. Uh, it was pouring rain, and we didn't want to run back, so we used your hide key, which I didn't think anyone actually said that ever. Um, it was a sponsor. It was a yes, product sponsor content. Yeah, yeah, sponsor content. Speaking of which, we'd love to have some. Please get at us. Um, you should try. So find a hard key. To be- 
Yeah. <laughs> I find it hard to believe that Jack would allow a hide a key to his home, but yeah. still. Right. Um, so in the background, uh, Parslow picks up the key. They go to open the door and we see Yovan creeping out of the bushes in the background towards them like he's about to shoot. And then just when he's about to shoot them, Parslow opens the door and the alarm goes off. Which, one, Jovan mm. should have expected because Jovan saw the alarm system in the last episode and mm-hmm. didn't go in the house because of it. Um, and he, like, ducks down and, like, looks around wildly like he expects his SWAT team to <laughs> drop out of the trees in response to it. <laughs> which is actually not that far off of what happens. Um, but Terry and Parslow go inside and Terry doesn't know the code and f- okay, he just well, tells her also, to... Parslow should have known there was an alarm as well since he says right. he's been there. Right. And also, I don't, so there's a couple things about this. So the alarm goes off. Parcel tells her to just take her time because maybe the alarm code will come to her. Like she doesn't have amnesia. Um, so I gotta be honest. I hate alarm systems. I'm very bad at them. I panic all the time. <laughs> but like one thing I do know about them is that they don't just go off immediately when you open the fucking door. There is a great, there yeah. is a grace period that <laughs> yeah. the alarm system affords you as an idiot. Typically <laughs> like they start here. beeping. Well, because the, there's not you don't have a pad outside so like you literally cannot turn off the alarm until you've opened the door yeah yeah, that would defeat the purpose of having having it uh it needs to be inside they give you about 30 seconds to a minute to deactivate the alarm Mm -hmm. but like even once you have that like for me there is nothing more stressful than trying to beat that alarm like oh man try to beat the clock with it i like to pretend i like to pretend like i'm dismantling a bomb or something you know and it's like it's it, the the clock is ticking down, and I need to I need to find out the right code. You know, just gotta treat it like a Mission Impossible style. Thing. I've had to go into my office like twice on the weekend, and every time I fucking panic. Like I, it took me two years to learn how to use the phone system at my old office, and then this alarm system was a whole nother thing. I just I suck at that. Cause you want to be nervous. Try try coming home from college and trying to remember the code. Being one of being the only black family in a very white neighborhood, son of a bitch, this cannot happen. Hmm. Yeah, I I can see how that might add a new wrinkle to it. I do not, not need them boys showing up. Well, speaking of boys showing up, premier um, security, superior security is or superior alarm is the the company that shows up eventually. But so rather than just running up and killing them both while they're yeah. distracted by a alarm and. The alarm would cover up his silenced gunshot. Jovan just retreats back behind his tree. Terry just keeps shouting, make this stop over and over. And we hear a phone ring. Again, 12 seconds after your alarm goes off. Um, and Terry just yells, can you turn this off to the to the lady of the phone? It is the alarm company. Look, I know which, she has amnesia, but like, she still, she know how still knows how alarms work. Right. So the lady on the phone asks her for a password, which Terry obviously does not know. And the lady on the phone then asks if she's having an emergency. And before she can answer, we cut to the California Plaza, where Alan Morgan, the uh, electrical grid man, has just died. Um, Nina's talking to an agent, and she tells Jack that the man who was sniped by Teddy Hanlon was named Alan Morgan. He works for Pacific Electric in Saugus. And uh, we know that he was kill- paid to kill the power in grid uh, 26GG. They just need to find out where that is. So she leaves to go work that out and uh, promises to get in touch with Jack as soon as she knows something. So we come back to the pop- the Bauer house where Parslow is just flipping all the circuit breakers in the house to turn the alarm off and just says, none of these are working, which betrays a serious <laughs> lack of knowledge about both alarm systems and circuit breakers. <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, so we see Terry standing by a by the sink in front of a window, and what happens next? <laughs> them boys show up. Yeah. Them boys show, show up. Them boys. Drawn. Oh yeah, they are. They are deholstered and they are pointing weapons. Look, I whenever I I've never had an alarm in my house, but. All the commercials I've seen and and what I am under the impression is that the alarm system calls police. Yeah. Not well, it calls so I actually it, did work well, for a, a security company. It calls a monitoring center and if the monitoring center can't like get in touch with you or doesn't get a satisfactory right. answer, they deploy police. Right, they, they don't deploy private security <laughs> guards from a company. So like the the guards who show up are say they're from Superior Alarm. And by the way, it takes 45 seconds for them to get here, which has to be a land speed record for a security response. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe superior <laughs> alarm is like the, the cops of the subdivision and like everyone has this alarm system. I don't care. Those folks need and to they work have for a- either CT or Secret Service because they are the best law enforcement officers <laughs> I've seen on this show so far. It, Impressive. It, it took CTU 45 minutes to show up with a fucking helicopter and the guys, <laughs> these guys roll up in a golf cart in one minute flat. Yeah. <laughs> um, so two guys uh, – so there's one guy with a gun drawn outside the window and he just like kind of lurks behind there. And then another guy bursts in and points a gun at Dr. Parslow and Terry just runs away. Um, and Parslow tells the guard that Terry lives here but she forgot the code and um, they wander into the living room and Terry – like they all kind of see the 9,000 family photos that the Bowers have up. Oh, it was uh, happy. There were so many happy jacks. There were a lot of happy Jacks, a lot of uh, happy Kim and Terry. Did you see the one, in? the one very special Jack Bauer picture though? What did you know? It was you, a very young see? Jack Bauer in a uh, military uniform, Ooh. and it's actually Ooh. a picture of Jack Bauer from A Few Good Men. <laughs> I didn't notice that. That's perfect. <laughs> Damn it! I need to go back and watch it. That's good. That is good. So they all see the photos uh, of which, like. Mm-mm. I don't, I, I, could have been I don't know if they recently like separated husband and wife who are still trying to figure things out. Like if they were separated for six months and your wife was like had been bringing at least one dude back to the house at least once. Like would there be that many family photos just hanging out? Uh, I I don't know. I mean, I feel like maybe still like it sounds like even when they were separated, Terry wasn't letting go. So I can't yeah. imagine she would have been the type to just like swipe all that shit in, the, in a basket and throw it under yeah. her bed or something. Yeah, we hear more about that later from Parslow, which kind of sucks. Um, <laughs> but so uh, the guard sees the photos and he says, well, it's clear that you live here. And he says he's going to go reset the alarm and check all the it's contacts outside. It's either you outside. or Woody from Toy Story, but <laughs> I think it's you. So he said it should take about 15 minutes for us to clear the alarm. And Terry is looking around at all the photos and she seems to be remembering some stuff. In the photos, which is which is nice, um, and unfortunately, it all comes flooding back to her at one very specific <laughs> point later in the episode. But um, we get a tiny clock. Please take a drink. It is six oh six. We see uh, Yovan. He's outside lurking in the bushes, and we see the two guards checking out the house. And then we cut back to the plaza, and uh, Mason walks up to Jack. He drives up, walks up to him, and congratulates him on the way that bodies always seem to pile up whenever he go wherever he goes. Um, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah, so Mason makes some pretty dry, like, observations of, like, the situation. They're like, he's not wrong. No. George uh, no. Mason is slowly becoming my favorite character now and now that Ira Gaines is gone. Which means that he's possibly a terrorist. <laughs> yes, obviously. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll trust nobody. Yeah. Well, I'll, uh, Damn it, I, I wrote that down. <laughs> I'll, I'll uh, give you a little tidbit of information I found out a little later. 
that. Okay. okay. Well, keep that in your back pocket. Um, so Jack just says that he gave clear orders for Teddy Hanlon to not shoot. And uh, he points Mason over toward Teddy to go talk. And as he does, he gets a phone call from our good friend and all-star father, Senator David Palmer. Um, and Palmer tells Jack that he's been twisting some arms at the Pentagon. And he finally found the missing Drazen file that Robert Ellis had uh, clued them into. Yeah, while he's, running, he, for, while he's running for president and trying to send his son to jail. and just He found a couple... Couple three minutes yeah. just to, call to the really Pentagon. tag in the Pentagon. And he found in the file uh, a bunch of dates and locations relating to the last months of Victor Drazen's life. And he says the last entry is an address unrelated to everything else. Uh, 21911 Kipling Drive in a city named Saugus. And as soon as Jack hears the word Saugus, which is related to the power grid that the guy was supposed to shut down, I could kind of hear his murder sense tingling. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's, he had the, the hamsters turning in there. Uh, yeah, urge to kill, rising. Yeah. Rising. He's like, rising. Saugus. Yes. Sogus. I haven't killed people in five episodes. I thought I was just going to so, go check some shit out, but there's probably someone to kill. So he hangs up. He thinks Palmer hangs up, and then he quickly calls Tony Almeida to give him the address in Saugus and said he said it's... Got a, he's got a good feeling that it's going to be in the same grid as the uh, the power the power grid that uh, they were paid to shut down. Um, and uh, Jack tells him he's going to go find out what's going on there. And he starts walking out of the plaza. And Mason catches up to him and says, "Hey, where are you heading?" And Jack like barely looks over his shoulder and tells him that he's going to, to Saugus. And Mason just says, "Hey, slow down. I'm your boss. Fill me in." Um, so he gives Jack gives Mason the rundown. Tells him that Bob Ellis was killed in New Orleans two and a half hours ago for almost finding out about this location. And now we have it because of Palmer. And uh, Mason just says, well, saddle up. We're going. Let's get going. <laughs> Car and, trip. Uh, yeah. Jack mm-hmm. doesn't seem to appreciate this. Um, but Mason just says, if you want to go, I'm your chaperone. You want to ride? Mm. So Jack... Seems pretty resigned, but he gets in the car with the silver briefcase containing the bearer bonds. So Jack's holding the power up. bonds. The bower bower bonds. Bower bonds. So Jack sells the money. So Curtis, I know you're at least a bit suspicious of Mason at this point. So what's your what's your read here? Okay, he's either trying to get him in the car alone to kill him. But here's the thing: this man has already been tranked by Jack Bauer today. So I don't know if he wants to actually. If being alone with Jack and trying to do something bad to him are his, you know, is that his best option? So, low key, Mason's getting a little cool. Okay. Um. So yeah, yeah. This episode, some things changed, but yeah, we'll keep, keep going, keep on going. <laughs> okay, keep on and going. So we cut to Dan's house, uh, where the yeah, drug do. deal is about to go down, and Frank is asking Rick where Dan and the money are because the guys that he needs to pay are going to be here in twenty minutes, which. Uh, Again, like everyone, they are 10 to 15 to 20 minutes late. Um, <laughs> well, he says 20 minutes now. Right. And then later on, he says 30 minutes. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. so, so I don't so think he knows anything. Um, so no. Rick continues to tell Frank that he and Dan split up and Dan was going to meet him with the money. And Frank keeps looking increasingly panicked and makes a phone call. And Rick says, look, if I was going to rip you off, why would I come here? Uh, and before we move on, I just wanted to say, so like doesn't seem like rick has thought this through yet so he and dan were supposed to be paid 20 grand total mm-hmm. to kidnap yep. kim for gains presumably to split that 50 50 because they talked about having 10 grand a piece earlier mm-hmm. yet frank said that he and dan were going to take the full 20k mm-hmm. and buy the ecstasy to turn it into fifty thousand without telling 
Rick. So Dan was either going to, one, not ever pay Rick, two, make him an unwilling participant in a drug deal, or three, kill him and take the money. Also, like, also Rick says, if I was going to rip you off, why would I come back knowing good and well that Dan is dead? And Frank's going to find that out at some point. So he could also say, like, if Dan was dead, why would I come back? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes no sense that Rick came back to this house. No. Just you went you went to the, the one place you shouldn't go like outside of the police. Right. <laughs> um, so Frank doesn't get an answer to his phone call, which is presumably to Dan. So he throws his phone into some beer, which lands on Kim. He storms out of the house past Melanie. Uh, and then Kim gets up to leave also, saying she's I'm not waiting around for this lunatic to get us killed. And, um, you know, Actually Mel- smart thinking from Kim. Yeah. So. <laughs> Again, like Kim says, like I don't care about this drug deal. And when Melanie tries to stop her, it says, "I came here because I wanted you to help me find my mom." But obviously, that was a dumb idea. Mm. Kim finally waking up to the realization, and so like in this scene, Melanie realizes that Kim is kind of into Rick, and uh, she says, "No one's going anywhere until Dan comes back." And Kim yells, "Dan is not coming back!" Mm. And there it is. That summons Frank back through the beat curtain. Uh, <laughs> and he he instantly is like, what do you mean? Points a gun at her. Uh, and he like shoves her down on the couch, has a gun to her head. And Rick finally tells Frank that Dan is dead, that Gaines killed him because Gaines was out of control. He was going to kill him too. Um, yeah. Also this in this well. scene, um, Auntie Kim, she touches Kim. Mm-hmm. I really thought the world was going to end right there. It was close. Yeah. yeah. It was real close. The, the, we did not all combust, thankfully. Here's what I think. Here's what I think it is. Um, Frank emits a douche cloud uh, that probably dissipates a little bit of that it energy. It neutralizes it. Yeah. And it helps us all, it helps all survive. And then you got, you got, you got, you got the dumb cloud of Rick, right? It just, there's so much, so much going on. It creates a high strength area. magnet that holds in the plasma. So Frank picks up a lamp to smash over Rick's dumb head and then he just like hurls against the wall and he asks he just like he turns around and just like has his head in his hands and says well who's got the money now and Rick says no one Gaines never paid us so Frank says these guys are gonna be here in half an hour and these are not the kind of people you invite over for a deal and then come up short and Rick tells him to call it off and Frank says no can't do that too late so how many of these four goobers do we think are gonna die by the end of this thing (laughs) Like, oh, God, like, how do you, uh, fuck, I'm sorry, how do you believe, so, I just told you that my partner and your brother were killed by the, by the people who we were supposed to be paid by, and your next question is, where's the, why the fuck would they pay me? They let me live, <laughs> dude. Like, you know, I just saw, you know, we killed your boy, here's, here's that 20k, though. It's all yours yeah, now, you, can, you got you can, it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Gaines, you can leave, man. Gaines did say he was still gonna pay him. I mean, at no point did I get the sense that Gaines was not a man of his word. Exactly. I mean, Ira Gaines is I, is a low key saint. Don't get don't get me wrong, but he doesn't need to pay him. Thing sure. is, I mean, he he paid. Rick didn't do the job. He paid Mandy right? the full million dollars that she was supposed to split with Bridget. Mandy did That's her fucking job. No, but thing is, though, Mandy was going to split that million with Bridget. Bridget got greedy, then got mm-hmm. got. She didn't get that extra million. That's but a good Mandy point. still got the million instead instead of but, a half million. But, but Mandy Mandy did her fucking job. Mandy is though. still useful. And Rick has right. never been useful and will not be useful in the future. I mean, like Rick t- and Dan barely, barely kidnapped them. And they had to go kill her friend, Janet, <laughs> and then they at f- the goddamn hospital. And they fucked that up, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, 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 because Dan couldn't kill someone with a goddamn van. 
Yeah. This guy proves how big of a douche he is um, by taking out most of his anger in this scene on inanimate objects and then not really caring that his brother was dead, just worrying about that sweet money. Mm-hmm. Well, to be not, fair, uh, I mean, like, the immediate threat is the fact that there are dudes coming over with drugs and he doesn't have Z money. Well, hey, here's the fun part. You're not trapped there. You can always just leave. Well, but it's just a fun way to he does find a fun way to resolve that without leaving. And also, <laughs> also without who money. does a drug deal at their own house? Idiots. Who says they <laughs> come over to my house to do this drug deal? So that the kind of people who think they can buy ecstasy for twenty thousand dollars and then turn it into fifty thousand dollars and then also that everything will go peachy keen. <laughs> um as we find out Nothing goes well, um, but we cut to commercial at six ten. We come back at six fifteen. Uh, we're at the Palmer Suite, where the whole Palmer crew is eating an early din-din of some nice looking salad. Um, this scene fucking killed me, guys. They're deathly quiet. No one's talking, and on the table around, like in the middle of their salads, appears to be a gigantic pile of pickles that are sliced <laughs> in half. <laughs> I couldn't figure out what they were eating. I assume. It was just like a, it's like a very dainty salad, but like there was chicken. It was a beefy. It was actually a pretty beefy salad. But again, what? guys, it was it was pickles sliced in half. Like I, I can't. Okay, also, also, why did Sherry take lettuce off of Nicole's plate when she had a plate full of goddamn lettuce? That's just selfish. Also, David He's, took one single like fork tine with a tiny piece of chicken and just like nibbled on it. Also, it was a, did you guys expect at some point? David to throw a plate against the wall and scream, I drive a Dodge Stratus. <laughs> because that was basically that Will Ferrell sketch with the family eating dinner. <laughs> that or that or say, Keith, did you know your mother's a whore? <laughs> God, okay. So guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna run through this because there's a, there's a whole bunch of just this dumb here. Like so basically they're eating dinner and Sherry asked David what he's gonna say at the press conference, and Keith just butts in and says like, Well, he's gonna tell the truth, Mom. And Sherry just says, don't you start with me. You've caused enough pain in this family. And, like, David tries oh, to shut her down. And she's like, well, I'm sorry, David, but someone's got to say the words. This whole thing wouldn't have started if Keith hadn't decided to take matters into his own hand, which yeah. is kind of Keith's M.O., yep. dating back to Lyle Gibson. She's not going, wrong. Yeah. I- yeah, so they go back and forth, and, like, Sherry's just not having any of this shit, because Keith's just saying, I'm willing to go to jail for this, whatever. Nicole's starting to look pretty uncomfortable, and Sherry's just like, Keith, when are you going to get it through your head that your father is running for president of the United States? You don't get to ease your conscience at the at the cost of what's best for this country. Um, and basically, Keith just says, like, you know, someone murdered Ferragamo, again, you can't tell me hiding that is what's best for this country. Yes, and it is. No, it is. Sherry, oh, Sherry delivers a pretty good line. She's it's, just like, it's so good. You know what? I never saw it until just this minute, but you're your father's son. You cover up your weakness with a bunch of bleeding heart sentimentality. And Sherry just blasts right through him, asking when David's about to be man enough to be president. And then Nicole begins to have some kind of seizure, which yeah. only Keith sees to start and Sherry and David to keep fighting. Um, yeah, and it's kind of like one of those moments where it's like, hey, all three of you assholes, um, this, this is not about, about any of you. you. Like, the girl here who went through the trauma, it, you know, no one's asked her anything about what nope. she wants. Nope. Like, this was like the first, I think maybe probably this is like the first scene on TV of someone truly, like, being triggered. 
Like and she yeah. just, you know, went back to that place and, and they had to go take care of that while the rest, you know, well, these two assholes kept arguing. It's so stupid. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it double sucked because the rest of the scene is just Nicole apologizing to uh, David for like, yeah. this is all her fault. And like, and he just, he just keeps saying like, don't say that. Everything will be fine. And Nicole keeps saying sorry. And Sherry looks kind of shaken by all this, but like, yeah, this sucked. Like, at no point has anyone considered Nicole's feelings about any of this. It's all about Keith and David and Sherry's. Right, like, and they're yelling power play. at this in front. Of, they're yelling about this in front of her. Like, oh, you took matters in your own hands, Keith. And it's like she's she's got to be sitting there thinking, like, yeah, but he was defending me. Like, you're blaming him for something. So in, indirectly, you're blaming me for right, it. Right. And the cover up, right? Like, she was part of the right. cover up. She knew that he did it. Okay, it was so just, it, it just was had terrible. To, it was terrible. It was all horrible. Yeah. It was all horrible. But in in the middle of it, though, Sherry did speak that real truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to Keith and David. Yeah. Just you're, but you're so goddamn sanctimonious to both of you that you think that you know you being this this bleeding heart, you know, makes up for the fact that you honestly can't handle business. <laughs> and yeah, and you know, and, and if, she, you, if you wanted to take the blame for it, do it that day, dude. But you came and called mommy, and then Carl. To handle a business rather than, you know, man up. Right. Yeah. And now that and it's now been wanna... seven years, like, just wait yeah. another fucking day. <laughs> That's all you gotta do. Man up later. <laughs> yeah. So we are back at CTU. Nina is calling Jack to give him more information about the location in Saugus, which is showing up on satellite as a wildlife preserve, to which Mason gives a nice little line. So like, oh, great. We're going to Sierra Club meeting, <laughs> which is like. Kind of a dated reference now, but, like, still pretty funny. So what they're doing is they're cutting the power to Wildlife Preserve to let out all of the animals because it's now shifted into a, it's like a PETA thing. I'm going to do a real quick segue. Did you guys see that um, they announced a uh, Jurassic Park, like, roller coaster tycoons style simulator? Yes. You you can make... You can make a theme park with with dinosaurs. Yeah, everyone is getting eaten by dinosaurs in my park. I'm, I'm always turning the murder pa- everybody. <laughs> it's a T Rex. Oh, y'all did. I used to have to remove like sections of roller coasters to kill all my guests. Yeah, or like drop them in a lake one by one. Now I can just turn the power off to the I, fucking oh fences. My God. I'm only going to put two so things good. in the park. There's going to be a front gate and then a T Rex <laughs> right T-Rex. behind the front gate. <laughs> like you're going to give me money and you're going to walk into a T Rex mouth. Like that's it. I'm gonna make bank. No, no, man, you gotta you gotta vary it up though. <laughs> you gotta have the, you gotta have some you gotta have some raptors. Yeah, I need a, a raptor T-Rex. pack. Michael, you need Dilophosaurus. Gotta have some game. Michael, like, you you, gotta, you gotta, need gotta, different attractions. Well, to yeah. Bring eventually, when I get enough guests, the, the T Rex won't be able to eat all of them. They'll sneak through. Well, so Michael, here's the, here's why you build this park. This isn't a park for families. This is a park for very rich people who come to watch very poor people get killed. <laughs> so you have to have different kinds of killing. Come on, man. The purchase and have bitches getting shot in the head. You got to keep the shit on a lock and keep people excited. So change you. <laughs> Speaking of the perch, I heard this news story about this guy who, who was on like PCP or bath salts or some shit, and he oh got that a, one that one guy he got arrested. Well, he got arrested, <laughs> and, and apparently when they arrested him, he said that he he got to a top of a building and, and locked the door and started throwing bottles and rocks at people because he thought the bur- purge had started. So he was holding up on top of a building and just throwing shit at people. I mean, that's not good sh- news. He shouldn't have wasted his ammo. That's. Yeah. I bet you can't guess where. Did he bring like a sack of? It was Florida, (laughs) Dash. Yeah, come on, man. Like she bet you can't guess. 
<laughs> the fact that you said someone was on bath salts and doing stupid shit, I was like, well, yeah, that happens in Florida every day. Like, I don't understand. Yeah, it's, it's like, oh, that, that one guy, you mean my dad? I don't know. <laughs> you mean all three of our dads were together down there? Uh, hey, guys, this has been a quick taste of uh, Trends in Low Places. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, welcome. Welcome aboard. Anyway, so... So, uh, Mason saying that makes Nina realize that someone else is in the car with Jack. Um, and, uh, Jack says that Saugus is all industrial, so a wildlife preserve makes no sense, which once they get to Saugus, Jack's comments makes no sense because Mm-mm. no, no industry to be seen. Mm-mm. Um, but Nina says she has some maps to check and then she'll get back to him when she does. And, uh, while they're talking, someone hands Nina a stack of paper. She hangs up and starts looking at them. We get a tiny clock. It's now 618. Take a drink, please. Um, Jack and Mason are driving down the highway. Uh, Mason sums up the entire season by saying, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but this whole day basically boils down to a personal vendetta against you and Palmer by the family of Victor Drazen. Um, which, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So Jack says, yep, Palmer authorized the mission and I carried it out. Today is the two-year anniversary of Victor Drazen's death. Happy anniversary. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I killed your daddy. Yeah. So Mason just says, uh, well, at least it never gets dollar on you, Jack. And uh, Jack laughs and just says, well, I'm sorry about last night. And <laughs> Dra- sorry, Mason just says, oh, you mean shoot me in the leg with a trank? Don't give it a second thought. And Jack-, Jack says, like, needless to say, I was pretty wound up. I feel a lot better now, though, knowing my family is safe. <laughs> No, 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 also, Jack, I've you killed need six to people it. today, so I'm feeling pretty loose. <laughs> God, God, to say, you still need to say it. You came into your office with a binder full of dart gun and shot your boss, okay? <laughs> Guys, this scene with Mason, I was like watching this scene and I immediately was just like, "This Mason is so great in this. I, I need to look up what else he's been in. He's been in a okay. lot. Yeah, so the guy's name is Xander Berkeley. Xander. He he does nothing but make hits, guys. He was in okay. Terminator 2. He was the foster father who gets killed by oh, the Terminator. Oh, with the, through, through the eye? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, he was in Taken. Taken. Mm-hmm. He was in Gattaca. He was in okay. Air Force One, where he was a turncoat mm. Secret Service agent. Oh, yeah. He was. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, he was that. in Apollo 13, A Few Good Men, The Rookie, Barbed Wire, TV shows. He's been in CSI, Justified, The Walking Dead, X Files. I'm gonna need you. To, I'm gonna need you to stop, Playboy. Did you just did you just include barbed wire? Yeah, only <laughs> only because I found a really cool picture of Xander Berkeley and Pamela Anderson, and I thought it was great. <laughs> well, you thought you'd get away with that one, didn't you? Guess what? Cool thing about this one, you know what the like. best part? Do you know who he's married to? Pamela Anderson, Sarah Clark. <laughs> Really? He's married to Nina. He's married to Nina. They met filming 24 and they got married. Oh, I love that. God, this woman cannot stop fucking who she's working with. (laughs) 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 But (laughs) she really got into character, y'all. She's method as fuck. I found this great. I found this great picture from a a movie he was in. And I just I thought it was terrific. So so check your slack. And then I found this other picture. Which is a some kind of uh, promotional headshot that I just these <laughs> these two pictures make me they made me so happy. Okay, he, lo- he looks 
He looks like a fucking newsie. There's <laughs> like the oldest newsie on the block. Just like, get your papes. The mustache is fucking perfect. And he's carrying a ladder with like a and, suede jacket. And like a blue turtleneck and a darker blue scarf. Just, yeah. Oh, he, lo- yeah. he looks like a shitty newsie. A shitty old newsie. Yeah. So yeah. I've got two things to say to you. Oh, wait a minute. Was he? Okay. First of all, Curtis. Yep. I see the Simpsons movie on behind you. I see Mr. Tom Hanks as a Simpsons character. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) You can't sneak this past me. Anyway. I I, I didn't know if if you'd get it, man. No, I got it. I was getting getting a little anxious. (laughs) Oh, okay. I was starting to to wonder if Chris was going to get a hankering or not for for what's on the TV. You're you're blocking it most of the time. Yeah, no, it, it, it's whenever Curtis talks, he, he pops up on my screen, so I have to wait for it, and I had a hankering for some movie knowledge. Anyway, so uh, Jax says, knowing my family is safe has made me feel a lot more calm about shooting you in the leg, and uh, Mason looks a little noncommittal on that point, which uh, Jack instantly sees and asks him what's up, and Mason gives the explanation of every boyfriend ever, just, oh, I'm tired, nothing's wrong. <laughs> Um, which Jack says he can relate to just being tired. Um, so we cut to Terry and she's exploring Kim's room and Parzal comes in and Terry says everything looks familiar, but I don't understand any of it or feel anything. And Parzal just says, well, that's normal. And he tells her that music can help unlock memories. So he turns on some shitty music. He turns on a mid-tempo rock song. And we learned that Terry asked if he ever met Kim, and and Parzal just says, well, you didn't really want Kim knowing that you were seeing anyone because she was taking Jack's side in the separation. She didn't want to make, you didn't want to make Kim more angry with you. And she asked why Jack left her. And he said, well, you asked him to. He was too removed. There was no connection between you two anymore, which has to be kind of fucking hard to hear uh, when you have amnesia. Um and I just don't, I just don't, I don't get this entire storyline. Yeah. So basically he, he implies that Terry felt a connection for him, but she didn't want to lose her family. So she took Jack back in. And like, again, this is like the filler episodes on this thing, like the B stories and the C story are just like, they're so boring. It's just like, it's killing time for like, there would be tension the while Jack's like Jack can't just be yeah he's driving to Saugus yeah. so yeah. Like, guys Parslow served his fucking purpose in this episode that's what it was for mm-hmm. yeah it's all you know he oh somebody needs to find Terry because she ended up in a goddamn fugue state guys literally setting up cannon fodder um, <laughs> so uh, Terry says I don't remember you at all but being with you makes me feel good and less scared so Parslow takes her hand and she thanks him for doing this as they listen to Kim's shitty music. And then we cut to even shittier music, and we hear Frank on the phone, and uh, he's asking if someone, if a truck came through, and then he tells the person on the other end to just park in the back of the house. Um, so Frank gets up to just, or sorry, Kim gets up to just leave, and Rick tries to stop her. I don't know why Kim she says, didn't try this, like, I don't know, an hour and a half ago. Hour and a half ago. <laughs> um, so she says she's going to make a run for it, which Rick advises against because Frank's a psycho. And Kim very slowly tries to make a break for it. And before she can get to the back door, we see a nice, bald Latino gentleman, uh, Noel Guglielmi, uh, yeah, the guy who plays every L.A. like Mexican gangster in every TV show or movie like, oh ever. Oh, my God, it's, it's a generic Hispanic gangster. 
He actually showed up. He's also the guy who has a monkey come out of his butt in Bruce Almighty. Mm-hmm. Listen, so he actually, I learned a, I learned a thing about him because I, I looked up who he was because I got curious because like, I think this was my the, my first introduction to him. So his name is Noel Gugliemi. What? He was in training day. What are you talking about? I think I saw this before training day. Okay. Um. But yeah, so he's he plays every like low level street thug in every show yep. ever, uh, every movie. Um, but apparently he uh, he's never been in like any sort of gang, or whatever. But he he tra- he's an inspirational speaker going or usually in L.A. and Southern California talking to kids about how they should be in gangs. <laughs> That's good. So he's, he's like, like I was in a way. gang in all of these movies. You shouldn't do that. No, exactly. Guys, it is no would, realistic like uh, activity in that. But uh, he he, he, was, he was in a movie that started something incredible for this world and the universe itself. This man had a major role in the Fast and the Furious. Yes, mm-hmm. he did. Mm-hmm. The first one, Hector. He played Hector. Yep. Comes back did. in Fast and the Furious Seven. Mm-hmm. A little bit. Anyway, so um, Kim sees him at the back door, and she gasps and presses herself in against the in against the hallway. And uh, Frank runs down the hallway and pushes her back to the kitchen. They come in, guys. They the walk close the- captioning on on these scenes where there's just like exclamations and sounds, where it's like grunting or gasping. Yeah. It's just like, and sometimes grunting and gasping. It's sometimes I actually it's the close caption is the only way I learn characters names sometimes, <laughs> which actually it comes up later because like and they they only say their names in the close captioning after certain events. Like they don't say it previously. It's just like once you're supposed to know who they are. Yeah, it comes up. <laughs> um, but anyway, so the uh, Noel Gugliemi, uh, who I don't think we ever learned his name and another henchman walk into we'll the, call him the house. Well, so Hector and yeah. someone else walk into the house. And they put a duffel bag on the table, and Frank says, that's what I'm talking about, like a total goon, and pulls out a shotgun and cocks it. And then Rick, like an even bigger goon, says, are these the guys with the ecstasy? <laughs> yes. Yes, they brought over uh-huh. their guns, too, for me to look at. Here's, here's my thing, man. Like, I mean, like, so your boys are going to want some money, too, for all this firepower. Right. Well, they're going to get so, some ecstasy. And it's going to be free ecstasy now. So, I, like... Rick takes approximately 25 to 30 seconds longer than everyone else <laughs> in the audience and the scene to kind of get what's going on. And he says, so what are you doing? He's like, well, we can't pay the dealer if we don't have the money. Which Rick says, you're going to rip him off. And, no and Frank just says, shit. yeah. And then he points the shotgun at Rick and then at Kim. And guys, surely nothing will go wrong with this plan, right? No, I mean, it it's seems good, like a great plan. plan. Yeah. It's the best plan ever, y'all. Abracadabra. Because, because... <sighs> they're gonna have to kill the drug dealers because they're doing this at their house. So even if they like just rip them off and let them go, they're just gonna show back up and kill you all. Are right. you saying this was poorly planned, Michael? <laughs> How dare you? Frank is a goddamn master strategist. It is true. I forgot that. He's a level six on his Marvel card. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> read he's read the art of war at least <laughs> negative four times. Don't know where your enemy is and also let them know where you are at all times. <laughs> So we cut to commercial at 623. You come back at 628. We're at the Palmers where a doctor has just finished up checking out Nicole. Um, He says uh, she's going to do fine. And uh, Nicole tells David to go on and do his press conference. He gets up to leave. And the whole family is kind of looking pretty somber. And he turns around and says, this is a test for us. If we love each other, support each other, nothing else will matter. 
Fuck you, David. Prison will matter, asshole. Like, I don't even... Being shunned and poor will matter. All of it will matter if you all go to jail and then none none of you can get hired by anyone ever again. I wrote in all caps, yes, it fucking will. You are running for president. That, well, would it, though? Back then, I feel like it would have. Yeah, yeah, different times. (laughs) Different times. But, like... I don't Te- even wanna... Technically, still a pre nine eleven world when this was filmed. I don't even want to like comment on this scene because, like, I, the only just... thing I'm going to say about it, there's one thing that I liked about it. Sorry, Mike, go, go ahead. I'll say it just takes away time from being able to comment on stories that aren't stupid. Yeah, the the only thing about this is so he clearly wants David asks Sherry to come down to the press conference with him because an aide walks in and tells him it's time and it's time to go ruin everyone's life. And she gets up, walks over to him. Stares him in the eyes, smooths his tie down, and just said, like, pats him on the chest, says, I've always liked this tie on you, David. Like a clear dismissal and just letting him know that she wants no fucking part of this endeavor. Yeah. So he kind of, like, looks resigned, walks away, grabs his jacket, walks out the room, uh, which I thought was a total fucking power move from Sherry. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Um, so we're back at the Bauer house. Terry is flipping through, like, some kind of journal or calendar where she apparently writes down the entirety of her life. And uh, Phil Parslow is making himself a drink, which is perfect timing because we get a tiny clock at 6.30. Please take a drink. Um, and he asks her if anything looks familiar. So she starts reading off events, including a dinner with Phil. Uh, we learn that Parslow's name is Phil, but I'm going to keep calling him Parslow because it's fun. Um, but nothing rings any bells. He does um, look like a Phil, though. Yeah, he does. Um, so we learn a little bit more about Terry that she does like freelance commercial interior design. Uh, but she wants to expand into like a full time job once Kim goes on. No, she does. She does free interior design. She doesn't actually charge for it. Right. Sure. (laughs) Because her house is horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so those like those weird, like fake Asian Buddha head, like those weird heads of things everywhere and really shitty statues in bad places. I'm just saying, just it's not a good. And then there's a a Southwest motif on the couch. What the fuck is going on in that house? Commercial interior design. Not residential. It's a whole different world there, bud. I don't understand how you do freelance commercial interiors. I like commercial places don't just go to like someone's house and like, hey, let's find it's, this random person. They hire like hey, firms. I have tens of thousands of dollars to spend <laughs> on outfitting my office. Let me you know any amateurs? I'd love to, I'd love to have just an amateur eye in here. Anyway, so the doorbell rings and Parzel says it's probably his friend Chris, which he says Remember I told you I wanted to have someone here just to be on the safe side? Do you guys remember that? Nope. I don't remember mm-hmm. that happening. Must have um, happened off screen. It must have happened off screen. So uh, he goes to let in Chris, and he brings back a chubby bald dude to see Terry. And Terry sees a gun hanging in a holster under his shoulder. So this guy, one, sucks at concealed carry. Uh, so Terry panics a bit and asks why he has a gun and says she doesn't want him in the house. So he goes outside because... Um, Chris being a friend of Phil's doesn't mean anything to her. Um, Why does Phil have a friend who just carries a gun? gun? Like, if I... I wouldn't even know who to call. No. Uh, Yep. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, he just acts like, oh, yeah, I just called my friend. Because everyone has that friend who carries a gun and runs security for me. I mean, he's a doctor. I mean, he's got some money. Maybe he just has, like, the need to... I need protection sometimes. I guess if you're carrying... I guess if you're carrying thousands of dollars of dildos in your briefcase, maybe you need protection. (laughs) Somebody's gotta be packing their I gotta protect my collection. Maybe he's got the the really expensive dildo or a butt plug. (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm carrying these the things. I need somebody carrying a thing. <laughs> yeah, man. You yeah. know, I'm walking around here like dildo swaggins. Gotta have somebody pecking that heat. <laughs> so, Parslow says he'll send Chris outside, but they need him here because your husband could have been the one who roughed you up. Which, like, okay, fuck off. But he says, I'm your friend. You trust me. You said so yourself, so you have to trust my judgment. I'm like, fuck this guy. Yeah, what? Um, no. You're just trying to get it in, dude. At this point, yeah, at this point, I'm thinking that, okay, either he's just a sleazebag who's trying trying to get in on her, or or he's got something to do with this shit. Right. No, he, he was trying to bang her in Kim's room. Yeah. Like, he was trying to bang his amnesiac girlfriend in her daughter's room. It's that, this dude's a sleazebag. Mm. This dude sucks. So, Chris walks outside, and we hear Yovan on the phone with Andre saying that Terry's here, but the daughter's not. Uh, he says there's a little interference, but it'll pass soon. And uh, they hang up while Chris smokes a cigarette. And we cut to David walking through the kitchens of the hotel towards the press conference room. We get a tiny clock at 6.33. And um, David pretty much lays it all out. And he says, whether or not what I have to say jeopardizes my campaign is for the voters to decide. Um, but uh, he starts talking about local businessmen who have uh, backed his campaign. And we cut to Carl Webb watching the speech with some financial backers. Uh, and Carl says, I'll fix this. And Too late, Carl. Too late, Carl. And David says, I have apparently misjudged these local businessmen who have been financing my campaign. But more importantly, they've misjudged me. <laughs> Just so you guys know, my my notes here, beginning with when he steps to the podium, literally just says, shoot him, shoot him. Somebody please shoot him. At least graze him. Please God. In the leg, maybe? Maybe the shoulder. You know what? The head. Fuck it, he needs to go. Somebody just punch him now. Just get him off the goddamn stage. Please make it stop. Make it stop. He's not stopping. Son of a bitch. This is your fault, Carl. There it is. Yep. No, you nailed it. That's that's very accurate. <laughs> so how do you think it's going to work out? <laughs> <laughs> Not how I wanted to, friendo. <laughs> well, so it, we cut the commercial at 6.35. We cut back at 6.39. Like, David how pissed is, would you be if you went and if you were in line to vote and you, like, cash your vote at, like, 6.25 <laughs> and then you get home and you're, like, listening on the radio and it's, like, a live thing and you're just like, fucking, hey, Really? I think at that point you have the right to walk to his hotel, tell the Secret Service, I got to get a punch in. And they're like, yep. And you just get to like fucking wham him like Andy Samberg while people are eating style. Just just nope, come across him. Just bam. bam. <laughs> you know what that's for. And Dave's like, I understand your pain. You're like, fuck you again. I'm just going to give you another one. I wish you had an email server in your basement, dickhead. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, David. So we come back to the Palmer press conference where he's saying that he's handed the incriminating tape over to the Justice Department. And he looks really smug and says, whether or not it's admissible in court, it will still implicate the men who have been supporting my campaign. That seems like a pretty important distinction to me. That's not how justice nope. works. Nope, not at all. They're going to get off and your son's going to jail. You are the worst. This, this is when I, this, I think this is when I wrote punch him. <laughs> so um, he, he just said, I'll emphasize again. These men acted without my cons- without my consent or knowledge. And as for my son Keith, he is prepared to prepare to turn himself in and face whatever consequences the jan- grand jury deems necessary. He is my son, and I love him, which you've seen no sense of so far. Mm-hmm. I am confident that when presented with the facts, it will be clear there was no criminal intent or wrongdoing. He will only be guilty of not reporting an accident. 
And also, like, it's kind of killing the dude. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. he killed him still. Like, and there's yeah, no I'm- evidence to say, like, that it was self-defense because it's seven years later. And, like, if you admit to killing a person, you have to prove that it was self-defense, right? Like, isn't that one of those affirmative defenses that's, like, on you to prove? Especially when he's on tape admitting to the death and right. not really, like, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, you have to shadow of a doubt the old defense. <laughs> and then, so he's fucked. Yeah. So he's going to jail. Then he, he, um, he asks everyone to, like, respect Nicole and that she was the victim of a horrible crime, not a source of information. And this is about the cover-up of the accidental death of Lyle Gibson, not about Nicole. Yes, please and respect says, Nicole, which I have failed to do for the past Yeah, he says, ask him as a father, please find your humanity and spare Nicole the indignity of reliving this nightmare. It's like, hey, hey, bud. Hey, 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 bud. You did this to her. Yeah. This is all you. You've been reliving this for her this entire time. All day. And now you've, like, like, it's going to be weeks and months of it. Like, you did this to her. I just wrote, I wrote David, if you would have never left the hotel room that night, like last night, Carl would have taken care of all this shit. Mm -hmm. No one would have known anything. And everybody would be fine. But you had to sneak away from Secret Service, go teach some young thugs a lesson. And learn the goddamn meaning of your life for some reason. Like, just, oh, I fucking hate you. Oh, God. It's palpable. <laughs> You're the worst. <laughs> You're the worst. Well, um, so we jump back to CTU where Tony overhears uh, an agent telling Nina about the safe house being hit and that they have no idea where the Bowers are. Oopsie doodles. Whoops. We lost them. We we did we we beefed it and we wanged it. Um, so she Tony walks over and she asks if Jack knows. So he interrupts and um, she wants to know why Tony didn't tell her about the safe house. He just says, "Well, Mason didn't want you to know because he knew you'd tell Jack." Um, That's true. They go back and forth a little bit, but Nina's arguing basically just like, "You should have told me. You work for me." And he's like, "Well, you work for Mason." And yeah, but um, I'm not fucking Mason. Yeah. Yet. Get, yeah, you work for you work for this. Well, actually, friend. technically, <laughs> he works for Jack. Actually, someone's true. fucking. Ma- was Nina fucking Mason at this point? Well, in I guess that's true. No, Nina's fucking Mason in real life. Yeah, guys, real what life. a tangled <laughs> web! What a tangled web! They oh my in. god, it's like some weird. Uh. Do you think they role played as Mason and Nina oh, for sure. the first like, couple oh, yeah. times? Yeah, had we to have right. To. It's like, okay, now you yeah, go fuck. You go fuck Keith for Southern. <laughs> Are you gonna be trank while I do that? Yeah, yeah. You lay on the corner. Yeah, all tranked. Have up. Keith come over here and trank me. <laughs> I'm gonna have sex on my passed out body. Oh, while Tony looks on and just goes, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, he the scene. so nina worries that this is all her fault for leaving uh terry and kim which tony just says you're not a field agent you'd have been killed um but she just storms off and says jack needs to know about this uh so again because of the rules of 24 we cut to jack and mason driving down the road and mason gets a call from nina are you guys surprised that she called mason I am. I actually said, why well, yeah. Why didn't she just call Jack? Like, she's actually paying attention to the chain of command. Well, I, I think she realizes that... I think she knows that Jack is a loose cannon. Um, like, I, I think she knows what this information will do to Jack. I think she's trying to give Mason the chance to do the right thing. So she's putting uh, it on Mason's shoulder so that later she can say to Jack, like, I told, I told George to tell you. 
Right. I but like does she I think something's up. Does she expect Mason though to like he's sitting in a car close quarters with Jack. He expects her to him to turn to Jack and say, Oh, BT dubs, I know we've been in this car ride for a while. Um turns out your wife and daughter are missing and the safe house was hit a while back and I didn't tell you. And he's gonna not get tied up with seatbelts and now duct tape. About, <laughs> about them terrorists though. <laughs> I don't know, man. You can go to your laughing place with whoever you want to. <laughs> and we know that's Jack's laughing place. I, um, yeah, I don't, I didn't like Nina's tact here. It, I, I just, I don't like the way it smells. Anyway, uh, yeah, but, but Mason played it off like a gangster. Yeah. <laughs> Talking to her on the phone. It was pretty dope. Yeah. They had like a covert conversation where, where Mason was just like, oh yeah, give me those TPS reports. Uh huh. Yeah. We're almost there. <laughs> like, he's just like, you know, that kind of horseshit. And, um, so they park, they're, go, they're driving down a dirt road, they park, and um, Nina asks, like, you know, it, during their little covert conversation, like, why not tell Jack so he can help us find them? And I was like, Jack has better things to be doing. He, he, he shouldn't be focused on finding his family right now. Like, that's why he has you assholes. But, like, um, how is Jack going to yeah, help leave. them? Right. All he would do is not do what he's doing right now and get yeah. in the way. That's all Jack yeah. has done all season. <laughs> Um, Jack would skate immediately. He'd be like, well, we're so close to solving the Palmer thing. Fuck that. I gotta save Kim. Yeah, like what the whole, the whole show up to this point has been Jack acting outside the bounds of law because his wife and daughter were missing. Like, how is he going to help them besides just like disappearing and then just killing and, random people? And that's where, so it gets a little fuzzy because, Chris, I'm with you on that. Like, it's a little suspicious. It's just like, it seems like she wants Jack to, like, not be doing what he's doing. But if she wanted that to happen, if, like, she wanted to distract Jack, she would have just called Jack. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't know, man. It's just weird that she called Mason first. Yeah. So um, they part. Like, like because, because, because Jack doesn't trust Mason. Right. Exactly. He inherently trusts Nina mm-hmm. because he, he, he gave her the Mozambique in the chest earlier. But, um... He doesn't trust Mason, so it feels like if Mason said it, if he has to admit it to Jack, then Jack goes completely AWOL from CTU from now on. Like, he didn't talk to anybody else except her, maybe. Right. I don't, it just, I didn't like the way it smelled, man. I just don't, I don't, I don't trust her. Yeah. Um. How long, so, how long before Tony gets shot by Jack with like a BB gun or, or something? Because he's like, he's already shot Nina. He shot Mason with a trank. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like he's just shooting everyone. I think Milo's that works next. for him. Ooh, uh, Milo. And then, yeah. and then Tony goes down. I gotta say this though. Here's here's the thing. I the only spies on this show I've seen so far are fucking Tony and Mason. Mm. Everybody else is terrible at being a spy. Very bad. Just the worst. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, Jack exactly with his briefcase. Hey. Hey. What this? Hey. 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 Bud. Do, do you think Jack's not a spy? He's a, he's just a murder ninja. <laughs> Jack is a blunt. <laughs> A blunt weapon. He's not even a sharp <laughs> weapon. He's just like a, a, a billy club. Um, so, yeah. So she basically tells Mason that Jack's going to hold him responsible if anything happens to them. And Mason hangs up as Jack gets out of the car with some device that's like either a GPS or it's searching for radio signals. Because he says, I have a signal. I'm not really sure what he was doing. But before they get out, Mason goes, Nina? Like questioning like, like he lost a signal. And then... Uh, Mason gets out and tells Jack that his phone died and says, hey, let me borrow your phone. So slick. And so <laughs> yeah, super but, slick. 
<laughs> we get another great Sprint commercial. Another Sprint commercial. <laughs> um, so he, he turns, you see the Sprint phone, he turns the Sprint phone off, and the next thing you hear is a non-connected phone call. <laughs> yeah, so it's Nina, Nina goes to call Jack, obviously, <laughs> and Mason turns the phone off, and then we get the... The Sprint customer you're trying to reach, which, to be fair, happens when the phone is on also. Um, but, you know. It's flawless. They paid money for that. Yeah. They gave them money. So Mason turning the phone off, I again, I don't know if he just wants Jack to stay on mission or my notes are all caps. Hmm. Y'all suspicious? I don't trust nobody. <laughs> Um, and then we get a nice little scene. So Jack says that he has the signal with his like device and like Jack vaults a chain link fence. Uh, it's only like five feet. It's nothing, but like he vaults the fence and starts walking onto the property, like the wildlife reserve towards the, uh, the, uh, address on, uh, whatever road. And Mason gives Jack a look. And I, I meant to bring this up earlier when we were talking about how cool Mason is. The entire episode, he's got his, like, sunglasses down, like, the bridge of his nose, and he, he's always looking over the top of him, like, he's just, like, very skeptical about everything. But so yeah. he gives Jack a look over his sunglasses as Jack hopped over the fence, and then he walks three feet to the right and goes through the gate. Yeah, like, which is <laughs> the gate open. This is so Dude, great. It was like... It, in, God, my notes say, in this scene, George Mason has, has proven that he's one of either two things. He is the new Ira Gaines. Or he is just the coolest motherfucker at CGU. He just don't give a fuck. He's just like, you know what? I don't need this shit anymore. Let's stop pretending that, you know, I'm not awesome. Look, I'm he's really, he's like, I didn't I'm get really the director a- here with, without yeah. working smarter, not harder. Yeah. I, I would have done that. He'd have been like, are you fucking kidding me, Jack? Jumping fences now? Yeah. What are you, a 12 year old? Yeah. Fuck. I really, I really hope he's just the coolest motherfucker in, 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 in CTU. Cause like, it, it just like goes to show everything about Jack. It's like, yeah, I'm just gonna fucking jump over a rusted out fence that I hope won't collapse under me. And like Mason's just like, I'm gonna walk literally one step to my right and just step over the like and the look gate. for like, a gate. Yeah, like it was everything about Jack just being like this impulsive, dumb like idiot. And Mason's just like, all right, here we go. So we get we get a split screen. Uh, Nina kind of walks off to go do something, and uh, we're. Uh, we see Jack and Mason walking through a field while Jack is scanning for a signal with his uh, GPS device. We get a tiny clock. It is now 643, so please take a drink. And uh, Mason tells Jack that Nina was checking their location. And uh, Jack says that the the address they're looking for is just up ahead. And so as they're walking, Mason wants a little bit more information about Victor Drazen. Um, so Jack says he was, uh, Slobodan Milosevic's shadow. He was in charge of covert operations and responsible for organizing ethnic cleansing in Kosovo, Sarajevo, Sarajevo and Bos- Bosnia. Can't talk. Um, and Boston. And he did, Boston. He did, essentially, he did all the bad things. Oh. Like, Milosevic was just a mouthpiece. This guy did all the murdering. Yeah, it was kind of like, it was like, that's a, that's a kind of fucked up way to take all the agency out of one of like the biggest ethnic cleansing assholes in the planet. But okay, that's, yeah. he just that's carried hard. it out. Milosevic, you know, ordered it though. Yeah, you're right. I mean, did you're we right. really like, think Milosevic was down there like doing the cleansing himself? Yeah. Come on, maybe he's got um, people to do so that shit for him. Mason says, "So your unit took him out?" And Jack says, "Yeah." Um, so they're walking through the woods, and Mason asks who might have the kind of influence and reach to run a campaign against Jack and Palmer, and Jack guesses that we're probably dealing with some Serbian military exiles, and somehow Alexis and Andre Drazen managed to pull a cell together without us knowing. And Mason says, what's well, one hell of a cell being able to infiltrate CTU and turn Jamie? Mm. 
And mm-hmm. Jack says, I agree. It's kind of hard to believe that Jamie could move so freely against us without some kind of umbrella. So now Jack is onto another mole. Or, is he standing or, right next to the mole? Or CTU is just bad at their jobs, which nothing I've has seen, showed us I've that. seen no so, evidence of that. So, guys, I'm not trying to be, you know, a bad person here. But what I just heard, because they described it as a Serbian cell, is that the person I'm looking for who's the next mole is a white person. Sorry. Mm-hmm. That just, that's no, just what I'm going to get at. There's no, black, that's the head. there's no black Serbians? Last I checked, Burbians? um, there weren't any Burbians <laughs> going on. Uh, no. Okay. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> so, there's somebody, there's somebody. Middle Eastern of a, Serbians? Of a, of a, a Merbian? <laughs> Mer- Merman? Merman. <laughs> Do you, are there Merman financing the cell? And, and is, is Lambi? I don't, Nobody. Nope. Anyway, none of those. Um, so no, no, speaking of you don't leave. You don't, no, no, you don't, you don't tell me what to do. Okay, okay, all right. I'm gonna talk about this a little bit more. So anyway, um, once again, I don't trust nobody. Oh, <laughs> you may continue. I don't even want to anymore. <laughs> that radio side. You can't have. You can't have dead air, bro. Uh, so tr- we lose the sponsors' money. Hello, right? Audacity truncate silence. Um, <laughs> So Siri. now the joke won't work. See, you've ruined everything. Siri, truncate silence. <laughs> okay, so they're walking through the woods and they stumble upon a power transformer encased in concrete in the middle of the woods. And Jack runs up to it, notices that the lock on it is new, and he wonders why this is a wildlife sanctuary because there's no water, no wetlands, no birds, no animals. Uh, and then he just like runs off deeper into the woods, and Mason follows after him, and then. Guys, it's so jarring to cut back to this fucking drug deal house because, like, we go from they're walking in the middle of the woods with no sound other than Jack just, like, breathing heavily and running off into the woods. And then we get this shitty rock music that is so shitty. It's it's real bad. It's, mm-hmm. it's, real it's so bad, bad that I, I did not even want to try and look up what it was. Yeah, thank God. I, I, I didn't. I didn't want to know. <laughs> Let's be fair. It's like it's like if, it's like when you went to parties that were in like mangroves or, or orange groves or like in in the woods in college or high school, where everything seemed kind of cool, and then you actually got to where your people that you were going to hang out with were, and you're like, oh, you guys are playing fucking you know, Limp garbage music. Yeah, made by actual made by a band named Garbage. This is the '90s and the 2000s. Yeah, I did that with my <laughs> friends. I had those. I, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I didn't go to any parties in mangroves or anything. I'm in orange groves. Sorry, uh, the mangrove swamp would be weird because that that might get you dead. Do you ever, did you ever play like Age of Empires on a little land party at the orange grove? Because that's what I did. Okay. All right, that's fine. That's <laughs> that's. I get it. I get it, buddy. I mean, I did, I had land parties too. Um, but I also went to parties, mainly because I was the only black guy in my high school, so I got invited mm. to things. Yeah. Nice. Um, I mean, <laughs> who was, was going to bring the drugs? Whoa. <laughs> Racist. Wow. Damn. <laughs> well, speaking of who's going to bring the drugs, we find out exactly <laughs> who's going to bring the drugs. Um, so we're at the house, some dudes walk past the window, and uh, Kim and Frank, Kim and Rick are on the couch. Frank tells his boys to get ready. They hide in the kitchen. He opens the door and lets a skeevy-looking ginger dude with crazy frizzy hair inside, along How with a they... lady who looks like she walked straight out of the fucking Matrix, right? with like short, buzz-cut, like platinum blonde hair spiked up all over the place. They hired generic Hispanic guy and generic white drug dealer. Like it was incredible. The casting is on point. 
So the dude, the dude looks at Rick and Kim, the 15 year old child sitting on the couch and correctly asks, who the hell is this? <laughs> to which Frank says, oh, there's some friends <laughs> for my drug deal. <laughs> no big deal. Uh, so we see uh, Hector and the other uh, gangster dude huddled against the kitchen wall with guns waiting to bust in. Basically like giggling. Just, yeah, they're very amped up for murder. And um, so the ginger kind of drug dealer guy walks in, and him and Frank have a bit of stupid dialogue. And then Frank says, he's got the cash, so let's see the see the E. Um, he's like, you, you got it money? He's like, don't worry about it money. You got his stuff? He's like, well, yeah, I got his stuff. You want to see the stuff? And he shows him the stuff. Yeah, without without seeing, no, without seeing the money. He doesn't no see mo- no money. Mm. He just showed his stuff. Okay. So, you do you. I'm going to chainsaw your butt. <laughs> so the woman he's with opens the bag and he pulls out a jar of distill. Uh, he says, pure MDMA, no caffeine. Want to check it? And Frank says, nah, I trust you. And uh, the drug dealer says, all right, homie, where's the money? <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> and Frank gives like a stupid chuckle. He's just like, ha, did you hear that? He called me homie, like talking to Rick and, and Kim for some reason. And he's just like, I've got your cash right here. And he goes to, he pulls the duffel bag up, puts it on the couch and he goes to open it. And we see like the lady definitely put her hand on a gun behind her back. And then the guy like goes to rush at Frank and then Frank pulls the shotgun. The ginger pulls the gun. The two dudes run in from the kitchen to surround them. They have like a whole little, you shoot, I shoot you too thing, like standoff. And they finally put their guns down the, the drug dealers. Hold, hold on. Yeah. yeah. So I shit you not. So so when I said, is he really that angry about being called homie? And I watched these two draw their guns, which I believe were both just Glock pistols. I wrote in my notes, probably DEA agents. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Well, that turned out to be entirely on the money. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, look at those service pistols. Oh, no. <laughs> so uh, the two the two maybe agents, uh, they put their guns down and the gangsters go in to search their pockets for something. And Frank turns around and says, all oh, this because he couldn't keep my brother alive. And he jams the butt of his shotgun into the bullet wound on Rick, Rick's arm. And Rick falls to the ground and cries like a baby. <laughs> Now he hits Rick. Right, now. Like, if if this had gone all bad, you'd have never gotten to punch the guy who got your brother killed. But now you're like, oh, now that I got my now I got my drugs. It's on. your face. Yeah. <laughs> so we cut to commercial. We come back. It's 6.52. We see a split screen of Palmer, who's still somehow at the press conference. Kim is looking shocked. And we zoom in on Nina on the phone with someone at a hospital. You just said zoom in. I heard it, too. You said zoom in. You said zoom in. <laughs> We Microsoft Zune in on Nina, ta- talking to someone Get at a hospital. that sweet Microsoft Zune advertising money. Mm-hmm. Hey, listen, we got to get a sponsor somehow. <laughs> it's even the future. If, even if it's a sponsor from 2006. <laughs> um, so, basically, Nina's talking to someone at a hospital saying that uh, Terry and Kim might not have registered with their real names. So just check the descriptions that we sent. And uh, Tony comes over. To ask about, you know, if she's checking hospitals. And Nina just says, I don't understand how they just disappeared. And Tony says, well, it might be a good thing. If the Drazens had them, we probably would have heard it by now. After all, Jack and Palmer are the primary targets. Mm. Um, so Nina asks Kim, sorry, Nina asks Tony about Kim's phone call and the Bauer house. 
and Tony says that they're checking the area around the phone booth they traced it to, and that he'll check on Williams, the agent that he had dispatched to the Bauhaus more than an hour ago, and he says, look, Nina, we're doing everything we can. And she says, are you? And storms off. And Tony kind of, like, looks dejected, but also he looks like he's, he knows that he's not doing everything that he yeah. could be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we cut back to the drug deal house where they've mercifully turned off the shit rock. And um, Frank is packing up the drugs in front of the two dealers. Kim and Rick are sitting on the floor just kind of hanging out. And Rick and Frank picks up the shotgun. And mm-hmm. the ginger drug dealer asks for if Frank is going to kill them. And Auntie Kim licks her lips at that point. She's just <laughs> yeah, so happy. She's kind of horned up about it. It was really <laughs> weird. And Frank that. says, yeah. Yeah. Pregnant pause. I'll kill you if I ever see you again. Oh, oh God damn it, shit. Frank. And then he bashes the dude right in the face with the shotgun. And uh, guys, what happens next? 5-0. It's a Everybody run. So <laughs> Ginger guy stands up and just says, hey, Frank. You have the right to remain silent. And then SWAT team rushes in. They kill one of the, the gangster guys. Not Hector. Thank God. Not Hector. Oh, he's, Hector's, he's still Hector's alive. alive. Fuck. Thank God. And uh, the subtitles tell me that Ginger Ginger Dude is Sam Krugman, DEA agent, uh, or police state, whatever. Uh, Matrix Lady is named Max. Sure. Um, she is. And yeah, so they take down everybody. They have them all on the ground. Uh, Sam grabs his radio and says, we have one suspect down and five being booked. Rick looks like he knows that his entire dumb life, idiot, his entire dumb idiot life is over. Um, and they're all getting arrested, including Kim. Womp, womp, womp. She'll, she'll be out in 15 minutes. Yeah. It's Kim. Yeah, Kim is like yelling like, you can't do this. We didn't do anything wrong. It's like, I'm sorry. You were part of a drug deal. Like, you were present. So yeah. it's about 6.54 right now. I want to put a clock on it. How long do you think it is until she says the words, I'm Jack Bauer's daughter? As an explanation for what she's doing or who she is. I mean, I'm going to say it's in like the like the the opening scene for the next episode, like in the back of the car. Yeah. Knowing how important what Jack's going to be doing in the next episode is the very beginning, like 708. (laughs) She's going to say it okay. just to fuck up Jack's day. Definitely okay. before the first commercial, though. Okay. So, yeah, that's that. you're both well within the range. Okay, great. <laughs> um, so we cut back to Palmer, who's still at the press conference, reiterating that he bears full responsibility for not knowing about Keith and Nicole's whole situation. How is this uh, motherfucker still talking about yeah, this? Nobody, nobody stopped him. That, my and, prayers were not answered at all. And, like, so he's talking about, he's like, so here's here's the quote. A senator's duty, a president's duty, an elected representative's duty is not only to his country, but also to his family. Which, again, David has shown no no inkling to do anything in his family's best interest. Nope. If he cannot manage the interactions of the people close to him, then he can't expect the electorate to believe in his ability to lead a nation. So he just told everyone to not vote for him? Exactly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't deny I made a serious mistake, but I ask you to consider I am not the first person in public office to, to make one. Thank you. And then he walks away. Uh, Other people do shit? Yeah. What about that? Yeah, no. Nixon had agents who went to Watergate. His daughter didn't go do it. Like, you're no, you're not good at managing your own household. You can't manage the country. Go away, please. Yeah. So he walks off. We got a tiny clock at 6.55, 30 seconds. Please take a drink. And he walks in and sees Keith waiting for him in the kitchen. 
And they just kind of hug it out, and they walk back towards the hotel suite together. He's so proud of his dad for sending him to prison. Yeah. It's just... Keith. Oh, boy. So we cut back to the Palmer house. Parslow is showing Terry pictures of his kids, with whom we learn that Terry did not meet as well. Um, Said, uh, you know, we left everyone out of it until you were sure what you wanted from this. And uh, we hear a teapot whistle, and Parslow goes to the kitchen to uh, pour some tea. And Terry gets up and sees a pink box with mom on it in wooden letters. And she remembers that Kim made it for her. And she, remember Kim she, first. She, Kim. she yells to Phil that she's starting to remember something. And in the background, we see Chris walk in the back door to use the restroom. He turns down the hall. Okay. And uh, guys, what does he see? Oh, God. This is the dumbest. This is Jovan is terrible. At the, Why his was Jovan not kill Chris when he was outside? Thank you. Why did he wait for th- It's the worst moment. It's literally the worst moment he could have done this. So, he could have killed him and had they would have had no idea inside that. Also, he could have killed him and shot her from outside. Also, Chris, Chris, this motherfucker Chris, has been at the house for all of, I'm going to say, 25 minutes yep. at this point. He didn't go to the fucking bathroom before he left the house? Like I'm supposed to be. He might have had a. He might have. He might have had a big gulp on the way over. He's supposed to be know. protecting her, and he can't go 26 minutes without. Hey man, he's been drinking and smoking outside all day. Needs a tinkle. You know? Doesn't he minutes. know that like the last five minutes of every episode is when people die? He's not part of CTU. It's like it's like, it's like every game of FIFA. The game demands a goal in the last three minutes. <laughs> Someone's going to score. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, Jovan walks down the hallway somehow inside the house without anyone noticing. And he shoots Chris right right in the old heart. Uh, then he, uh, he shoots Phil in the shoulder as Phil kind of turns and runs away to, and as Terry is panicking and trying to, uh, hide behind the couch, Jovan walks up to Chris, drops one in his dome piece real quick, mm-hmm. and then he points the gun at Phil, weirdly, and doesn't end him, which was mm-hmm. odd. And then mm-hmm. he walks towards Terry, who's hiding behind the couch, and Terry's down on her knees, she's panicking, um, Jovan asks her where Kim is, and she can't answer. <laughs> And <laughs> this is so stupid. This is very dumb. And this is so stupid. Jovan just <laughs> says, I'll make it painless for both of you if you just tell me where she is. It's like, what are you so, going to do? Like, what, what he just says, I'm going to kill your child if I if I find her. Tell me where she Please is. Please tell me where she is. And I won't hurt you. And I won't hurt you as bad when I kill you. Yeah. You're so, both going to die, just so you know. Regardless. If I find her, yeah, you're going to die. So, you're you're going to die definitely. But it, she might, he'll die if you tell me where she is. So tell me. So square de- <laughs> square deal. <laughs> F- fair. T- I, mean, I won't hurt her very badly when I hurt her. Yeah. So like, totally give up your your family and your daughter, and yep. I'm still gonna kill both of you. Which to be so fair, you're, you're like banking on a shitty parent. I mean, you're banking on David essentially. I mean, there's no way Terry actually likes Kim. You know, I don't think Terry likes Kim, but I think Terry's a better parent than David is, and has you have unconditional love for your child. Mm-hmm. Okay, don't hurt her. So. Send her to jail for six years, please. Thank you. That's that's fine. But David would be like, oh, you know what? He probably deserves this. It's probably better for the country if Keith is dead. Yeah, that's fair. So Keith is in the bedroom hiding. So you said painless. Don't make it painless. He killed someone, so make it painful. Yeah, and long. Let, and just, him, let you know, him know he, that his crimes meant something. Yeah, he needs to understand that there's consequences for his actions. Thank you. Not kill me. Thank you. Thank you. Please step forward. forward. Um, yeah. So Terry can't tell him because she doesn't remember in this exact moment. Um, so he says fine, and he steps forward to shoot her. And just as we cut to mm-hmm. Terry's face with a gun pointed at her, guys, what happens? Tony. Tony. 
Flam, fucking flam, Almeida. Flam. Three shots ring out. Tony, Fox Tony, Tony. Lee. He's done it again. Andy Yovan. This motherfucker is so cool. I want a soul pack. Tony <laughs> killing the game. So Doing his job. Tony does his fucking job. Cool as a cucumber. Tony, after having realized that he's not doing everything that he could be doing in this situation, somehow got to the Bauerhaus in three minutes. Um, and then. Uh, well, apparently put- the Bauerhaus is three minutes from everything because that's also how long it took Superior Security to show up. So, But it also True. took Williams. 35 minutes to get there, I think, last episode. The Bauerhaus exists in its own temporal zone. <laughs> it's kind of like the castle in Rainbow Bright. It moves. <laughs> it flies around. You have to you have to believe it's there. Um, so Tony has just put down Yovan. He asks uh, Terry to move away. Um, she does not. <laughs> he yells at her to move away. Um, yeah, he yells at her very badly. And um, so for some reason, the very traumatic event of seeing a man killed in front of her Brings that brings back the very traumatic memory of watching her daughter blow up multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, and Terry apparently remembers everything about Kim. She Which says very important for psychologists to understand that next time they're presented with a case where someone is in a fugue state, if you just murder someone in front of them, they will remember murder. Well, no, no, very importantly, murder a terrorist who's trying to yes. murder them. Right in front it's of a very, that, It's a very a elaborate ruse. It's a Y'all. very elaborate ruse. That's, I don't think CVS can do that on, like, on demand. You gotta <laughs> wait for a certain moment to get that one fulfilled. And mm-hmm. no refills, obviously. No. That's not happening. So it's a one or done. You better hope they don't blink. <laughs> take, take three of these in a terrorist and call me in the morning. <laughs> yeah. So Tony tells Terry that she's safe. She cries about losing Kim. She clearly remembers everything. And we see Kim being pulled out of the house in handcuffs. And then we see Palmer and Nicole kind of hugging. And uh, Sherry walks over, looks David in the eye, and then walks right past him without talking to him. (laughs) And then we see Jack and Mason in a field as the sun is setting. And Jack says, the GPS tells them that we're at the address. It's the right location. And uh, as they talk, we hear a helicopter fly overhead. It appears to be a military helicopter. And Mason says, is that reconnaissance? And Jack says, well, someone knows we're here. And we cut to black at 6.59 and 59 seconds. Oh, man. I was expecting, I was expecting like a like gunfire to come out and they were going to like have to run and dive or some shit. But maybe I've just seen, seen too many action movies with helicopters. I mean, I mean, they're not game wardens, Michael. This is a wildlife preserve after all. They're not <laughs> just going to mow them down with machine guns. Yeah, they're here to see if they're part of the rhino horn sale. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so yeah, where do you guys think? On? What do you think we are right now? Mm. Why is there pro- what? I mean, so, they're playing fast so, and loose with helicopters in the show. So um, obviously, I mean, if you, when you saw the map, right? There's like this spot in the middle of nowhere, like the middle of this just white zone of nothing else around it. Um, so I'm like, yo, this is either like Area 51, right? Some secretive fucking prison that they've built. Nobody wants to know about. Or some, like, you know, like, diehard with a vengeance-style fucking gold vault mm. that they want. Because they're bringing the power down, right? Or, like, right. a weapons cache, maybe? So, you're either, like- you're, either, you're either stealing something or you're breaking somebody out, B. So, that's that's where I'm at right now. Okay. Um, okay. So, yep. you, the Drazens are pulling the power like, down there like, to either get like, money, like, guns, like, or somebody. I think I think that it's possible these assassinations are just, they're just, like, icing. You know, we're gonna, we have to do this move, but while we're here kill these guys too and their family because it's know, almost like them. you think about like the they blew up a plane as a diversion 
to get the yeah. the photographer yeah. in as an assassin. And like I'm I'm honestly, but I'm at the, I'm at the Die Hard with the Vengeance thing again. Like right, like you know, we did all this shit to hide a heist. Okay, so something's going down. Some something bigger's going down. Um, to I mean to the point that Andre put Alexis as the one to get. Morgan to shut the power down, right? So he trusts his brother to do that. Right. He sends the other two dudes to kill the family. And like, I need you to do, handle this business and then also kill Palmer. Cause that's easy though. But Palmer's an idiot. He knows that. And he's, the secret service are terrible. That won't be hard. Easy target. Yeah. I assume he sent Alexis simple. just cause he's the prettiest. That's true. I mean, Alexis probably just volunteered cause he wanted to get that <laughs> dick wet. <laughs> and that he did. <laughs> I mean, honestly, with Palmer, like, I feel like the easier con would have been, like, like present him with some sort of crime. You know, like, like just they could have entangled him in some sort of moral web that he would have just made, like, a really dumb decision. And it's, like, yeah. taking himself out of play. <laughs> like, if if the goal is, like, if the goal is to create, like, confusion to cover up whatever they're doing in this, like, this field, like, they didn't have to. They didn't have to die. They could have just like made some elaborate ruse with David yeah. Palmer like melting down, which probably would have been more like satisfying for them. It could have been like David because you lied about your basketball skills and, and history. <laughs> a sixty-seven-year-old man who bet on the tournament that year is having uh, is having a stroke right now, and he needs you to tell the truth for him to come out of this situation. He's in a coma after the stroke. If you tell the truth into his ear, he will emerge. I doctored the photos of the final four of DePaul again. <laughs> I didn't hit the three. I never took a shot. I can't even tie my shoes, much less run. I'm six foot eight. I can't dunk. I can barely do a layup. <laughs> I actually have implants in my shins. I'm only five foot seven. I'm a Cuban baseball player named Pedro Serrano. <laughs> That's the truth. And I can't hit I'm a sorry, call. What? What even is a Dupal? No one knows. No they'd, one knows. They'd never elect a president that prays to Jobu. <laughs> So okay, guys. So okay, so Curtis, we're we're pretty convinced something something's coming out of this field, right? Is that where we're yeah, at? man? And it's not animals. You know, they didn't do this to to get some you know some some good old tiger penis. They uh, this is this is this something's real here. Look at that bower penis is what they're going for. That bower power. It's harvest season. Mm. <laughs> so do we? Th- I mean, like, do you think that so- like the military is hiding something in the middle that, of yeah. Saugus, L.A.? Yeah, man. I mean, they could hide things anywhere it's an industrial area but they said it was industrial like that's as far as they know it's a goddamn it's a deserted you know plane with the tr- with its own transformer which doesn't really mean that much um sometimes if it you had, just I'm, have to I'm put sure transformers it, places yeah yeah if, if a facility if it was a facility it'd have a like goddamn power plant there right um so something tells me that they're kind of just hoping that america is stupid and they understand how electricity works which is fine that's fine. Most of them don't understand how the sun works, so mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I just, I just, I just, I really think that Andre probably cares a lot about like his father being dead and his sister got killed too. But he seems like a man who just wants that money as well. So maybe, maybe it's just a bunch, a buttload of gold, mm. or, yeah. or, or, or Victor Drazen isn't dead and he's being held in a prison somewhere. Yeah, Chris, I'm I'm kind of with you on that. Uh, it could even be I'm thinking like maybe like Jack's like either team didn't die or people like maybe it's just like some sort of secret installation. Like there's just like more of the team or whoever like ordered the actual hit, like mm. organized it. Like they got Ellis who kind of was like the the go between. They got Palmer who like organized it or like at least did the hit. But like maybe there's someone like another team there or something. 
uh, just yeah. like more deeply involved. I'm, I'm kind of with you that like, something's definitely hidden there and Drazen wants it out. So we'll see. But yep. uh, I, I think the next hour or two of the show are going to be pretty tasty, except mm. for all of Kim and Terry's storylines. Yeah. Nobody needs. Kim. Although Terry is officially for the third time, maybe out of danger. Yeah. I mean, she's back. at she, She's theoretically going back to CTU. Kim is semi out of danger because like, yeah, while she's in prison, but like, no one knows who she is, so they shouldn't be able to find her very quickly. At the, I think the the worst danger Kim is gonna face is gonna be like one like a a rough handed like cop or like D agent or ATF agent or like Melanie, the anti Kim in the holding cell, might try to get like uppity with her. I True. think that's like gonna be the that's about it. Or Kim might say something really stupid and get Wait, herself Kim? shanked in prison. Bauer, my Kim, <laughs> our Kim. <laughs> I just feel like Kim's going to find a way to get released from prison and not have anyone to come pick her up. She's going to end up wandering. Like, it's it, God damn it, she's so dumb. She's going to walk back to 4th by Rick's house and call a cab. She's like, this is the only place I know where I can get a car. This is it. I got to go back. Well, guys, I think that's going to do it for us tonight on uh, The Longest Days of Our Lives. Um, this is a tasty episode, mostly because I, th- I can see where it's it's taking us to like some pretty good places. Five more left, guys. Yeah. Oh, my God. We're cruising right along. Kurt, do you think the body count is going to ramp up anytime soon? I hope so. You know, I mean, th- this episode was fun, right? We got, we got, we got, we got, what, four? To- no, five total, right? Mm-hmm. So Williams got got. Well, Williams was uh, last episode. That was last episode, sorry. Did the security guards get it? Or is it just Chris? I think it was just Chris. Chris. Well, Chris, so Chris and Yovan. So Chris and Yovan got it. Oh, and then the, uh, the one, the one, and then, uh, and then, yeah. So the one henchman as well. Got, yeah, got some. Three people got um, some this got, episode. Got. So, and and officially Morgan was was dead. He got got in the last episode, but but Teddy thought he just wounded him a little bit because um, he was just going to slow him down. Right, a little graze action. <laughs> just gonna pump um, him in the chest one time, guys. It'll be okay. Uh, yeah, I think I, I I'm gonna need to see Jack pop at least three more in the next three episodes. I'm gonna be real mad. I know in the last one they're gonna probably get some. Like uh, Andre's gonna be dead, right? But I need some real I need some real increase here. Okay, so I don't want to. Sp- or anything. Don't. Yeah, I'm not gonna say anything. Never mind. Leave it alone, man. Yeah, leave it alone. I'll keep. I'll keep my crazy ass theories and, and thoughts to myself. Yeah, I, I won't say. Yeah, we're just <laughs> things. Things hey, are gonna hey guys, turn up. Guess what I saw this weekend? I was watching a show called Law, Law and Order SVU. Uh huh. Guess who popped up on my screen? Tony Almeida. But David Palmer's aide, Patty. Ooh. Patty. Uh oh. I don't trust her no Uh-oh, more. Oh, spaghettios. Mm-hmm. Don't trust you. Not at all. Mm. I will don't trust s- nobody. I think she I just wants nobody. that Palmer dick, though. I mean, she wants that dick, but it seems like like when you when you want dick in this show, you cause problems. That is true. Yeah. Yeah, that's gonna come up in the next couple of episodes. <laughs> <laughs> if I remember, because I mean, because think about think about who wants dick in this show. Mm-hmm. Nina wants a dick. Yep. Uh, Elizabeth wants a dick. Mm-hmm. Kim wants dick. Mm-hmm. Right? These are all troublemakers. But, but think about it. Bridget Janet did not dick. want dick. Uh, our hooker with a heart of gold. He, he wanted dick. He, but he, he solved problems though. He solved some problems. Yeah. He did good. But like, but like Bridget did not want dick and she still died. So. <sighs> yeah. And she did cause some problems. She did cause lots of problems. For a number of, for a did number she, of people. Mostly for herself. She, 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 caused, she caused one problem, and that got taken care of pretty fast. 
Yeah, it only took about 20 minutes to resolve. That was, man, what a simpler time that was. Right? 18 hours ago. How cool was that? Well, guys, I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, thank you, as always, for joining me tonight. I had a great time. Um, me too. Everyone, if you want to learn more about this show, you can find us on goodbuddymedia.com or uh, really any of your favorite podcast apps. Um, but uh, I post about this show on, on our site, goodbuddymedia.com. And if you want to get in touch with us, um, you can go ahead and shoot us an email at goodbuddymedia at gmail.com. Um, you know, if you just want to drop us a line, make a comment, or uh, tell us your thoughts on the show, uh, this 17-year-old dumb tv show please uh you know please shoot us an email yeah if you've never seen it before and you have some uh some fan theories you know yeah yeah please follow along we if you if you shoot us a theory you think what's going to happen next episode we'll talk about that before we dive into the show so yeah Yeah. let us know what's up join my crew y'all yeah join the newbie crew yeah it's a it's a good boat to be on it's awesome and actually Uh, even if you're not following along and you're just listening to the show and so the only plot you know is from kush telling you please still tell us your fan theories Oh, God, I want to hear. Yeah, I do want to hear those. <laughs> That's good stuff right there. They're all just like, well, I think uh, Carrie is pretty cool. Car- <laughs> Tim? Tim's my favorite. Tim's my definitely, favorite character. Definitely Tim. Tim, Tim seems, seems awesome. There's like Tim a Mina. They seem pretty, pretty conflicted. Um, but yeah, Curtis, how else can uh, people help us out? Guys, can you go ahead and just uh, subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice? Whether it be iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, uh, any of those, uh, subscribe to our podcast and leave uh, a comment and a review and a rating, and that helps us move the chart, move the charts, and become a podcast juggernaut and get some sponsors up in here. Uh, like uh, I think, I, on top of having a sponsor of Scotch, like I said before, I think uh, beer mm. also. <laughs> yeah, beer oh, be a great sponsor, be great. right? Beer. I think, I think that. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. Hey, hello, American Macro Brews. Please get at us. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, get after this, this is anyway, the show so- brought to you by Scotch Beer and Money. <laughs> oh, can we get money? You think? Is money to sponsor us? That'd be great. I think. We can, well, I we think I think Scotch and Beer give us the money. Can the can Powerball sponsor this? <laughs> I think it's Scotch Beer and Khakis. <laughs> Just first, you get the khakis. <laughs> not a job. Not if you're buying Dockers. I can get Oliver Stone or, or, or uh, Al Pacino to sponsor this thing, you know, if I keep doing a terrible Tony Montana. <laughs> I'm going to pay you. I'm going to pay you to stop. Michael, tell the folks how they can contact us on social media. Yeah, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at LDuelCast, L-D-O-O-L-Cast. Um, you know, when you're there, drop us a line, um, you know. Share our post is the best way to get us out to other people. And um, if you're listening to us uh, from Cast Crunch, um, if you could click that upvote button um, or leave us a comment or anything like that, we've been getting a lot of listeners from Cast Crunch, which is great. Um, and also, if you uh, if you happen to be on Reddit, um, you know, and you, we'll post on there every once in a while. So give us an upvote or a comment or something. Um, you know, I guess the main thing is just trying to get us out to as many people as possible um i know that there are other people out there that love 24 uh like we do or maybe maybe jumping right in i don't know they'll be like hey never seen this show before i know it's 17 years old but let's let's do this thing um, yeah and yeah. um i will say you know we've mentioned this before and we, we've had uh some nice feedback but like you don't have to watch 24 or ever have to have seen 24 to enjoy this show so um you know if you 
like us idiots talking, like please share with your friends. Like, you know, it's, I don't think this has anything to do with the show 24 other than we're talking about it. Yeah. If you want to hear three drunk doofuses, just discuss things. Just, you know, uh, we're here for that. And we want to hear your feedback. I want to hear, you know, your comments about what we're terrible at. Um, not what we're good at so much. Don't do that. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hear that crap. Um, tell me how much we suck. Yeah. And, uh, just, just get it going. I want to see those comments. I want to see internet comments. Just internet comments as they're supposed to come. A comment section of strength and power. Mm. You know, you suck should be just comment number two. Number yeah. one should always be, you know, first. first. Yeah, That's obviously. easy. First. So. No, I like um, comment two to be first as well because mm, they, right. they took you're too right. long to write first. Because they had to add the exclamation yeah, points. Yeah, they added too right? many. Yeah. And there's like random capitalization. Yeah. Speaking of internet comments, I forgot to do my job and let all our listener know about the show that Michael and I do called Trends in All Places. A, uh, we talk about dumb internet stories once a week. And, uh, that comes out the same day usually as this show. So, you know, if you like, uh, us three, maybe you'll like two thirds of us talking about dumb stuff. Uh, we talk about mostly Winnie the Pooh being a pervert, <laughs> uh, and other random stupid stories. So check that out. You can also find that on goodbuddymedia.com. Um, but guys, I, th- um, Hold on. Yeah. No, no, back up. Back yeah. that truck up. Uh-huh. Talking about the poo? The poo? Oh, have you not? Are you suggesting? Have you not are heard? You are you suggesting that a bear who does not wear pants and lusts for honey all day long is a pervert, sir? A massive fucking pervert. Actually, I think, Actually, I, I kind of lost pervert. track of it. I, I lost track the of the theory. I think it's Piglet's the actual pervert. Piglet wants, wants that poo all up in and around him. <laughs> oh, God. So... He's both a pervert and a scat addict. <laughs> Listen, he wants that poo bear. <laughs> I, I I really wasn't certain of the particulars. All I know is that the hundred acre wood is full of insatiable sex deviants. That's it. <laughs> I mean, I think Tigger is racist, and Eeyore is just the sign of the times for our country. Yeah. Um. We actually so, didn't yeah. touch on Eeyore. We kind of left him out of it because the guy's having a bad day. I mean, think about most of the country right now. They're pretty much like this. <sighs> Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Fucking, you're going to do it anyway. Go well, ahead, poo. Well, speaking of going ahead, guys, I think we're running out of time. Toodles. Ha <laughs> ha.